When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Well, wouldn't you know it? There's an all-star game going on, or all-star festivity, and guess who is in the big chair hosting? Yes, it's me. It's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins. How does this happen all the time? How does this 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 atrocity happened. No, it's not an atrocity. It's 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 good. Uh, I'm usually in the big chair during uh, the All Star Weekend in the NHL, of course, because that's a chance for Reed to get away. And hey, it just happened that he took the this week off. And uh, I'm happy to be here with you. Yes, there is an All Star game going on right now. Well, it'll go on tomorrow. It's T-Mobile Park, the uh, venue in Seattle. And the American League and the National League will uh, do battle. They will uh, they will not as they have not done for the last few years. They will not decide home field advantage in the World Series, which is good. But uh, the Home Run Derby, which has uh, uh, become a really cool event, it's uh, just about to get underway. And Vladimir Guerrero is in the event. And he had 91 homers the last time he was in it in 2019. 91 homers in the event. That is the record for the home run derby and they have it it's all bracketed and uh, the other competitors Luis Robert Jr. of the Chicago White Sox Pete Alonzo New York Mets he's the only former winner in the uh, field uh, Mookie Betts LA Dodgers Aldois Garcia Texas Rangers Randy Arozarena Tampa Bay Rays Julio Rodriguez or J-Rod for the hometown Seattle Mariners and Adley Ruchman of the Baltimore Orioles and uh, Guerrero is in a group with uh, Mookie Betts. So this is a timed event. And uh, unlike before where it used to be just hit a home run, just hit another one hit 90, 90 home runs in, in your round. And well, it can't be 90 because the record's 91, but you get it. I mean, you had 10 outs, I think, and keep going until uh, you have your 10 outs. And I always thought it was kind of fun of course, you had uh, Chris Berman back, 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 gone. Uh, of course, we remember Mark McGuire uh, firing the ball over, uh, you know, the fence in Fenway Park there onto uh, people's balconies and onto the street. That's always fun. Or maybe that was Wrigley, Wrigley Field. Um, but now it's a timed event. Uh, the first uh, round, I think, at three minutes and then two minutes thereafter in the um, semifinal final rounds, and then you get kind of get bonus time if you achieve certain markers. So uh, it, it's good. I always liked the Major League Baseball All-Star game. I always found it to be uh, the truest of the four. I mean, they don't even play the NFL Pro Bowl anymore, but they just do this fun little flag football thing, which I actually thought was pretty good. At least it's 
kind of true to uh, the people's, uh, the players' interest level. But we know the NHL is at three-on-three. We know that that's probably not going away anytime soon. It's not great anymore, but it's not horrific. Uh, the NBA All-Star Game, I don't mind it. It's it's basically playground basketball, and you see dunks and no defense and you know pretty cool passes and things like that. But it's mano a mano in the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game. So best pitcher, best hitter, that sort of thing. And I think it brings out the uh, the true spirit of of the game. So we'll keep you we'll keep you posted on uh, the All-Star festivities tonight which is the home run derby okay uh tough news in the cfl today jeremiah mazzoli who just returned after suffering that torn acl which happened early in 2022 we all remember the garrett marino incident when he was with the saskatchewan rough riders a very dirty hit and that knocked uh, mazzoli out for action for a long time then suffered a staph infection uh not too long ago in his recovery well he was cleared to play against the hamilton tiger cats and then suffered a non-contact injury, hit the turf, and you know when that happens, I think of one thing, Achilles. And he suffered a uh, ruptured Achilles and is out for the season. So now it's up to Dustin Crum and Nick Arbuckle to carry the weight uh, of the quarterback stable for a team that has one win on the season. The Tiger Cats, uh, they just earned their first win of the season in that win over the Red Blacks a couple days ago. And... um, Reports now that McLeod Bethel Thompson has received a phone call from the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Edmonton Elks reached out to him as well at some point. I don't know if that happens, but that's something to uh, to uh, keep an eye on. As uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson just finished the USFL season, and that's about 10 games he played or so. I don't know if he would be willing to come up, especially for the reason he left. I mean, he left the Argos and the CFL for family reasons because his wife is uh, is uh, up there in the Marvel universe and uh, he wanted to go and be closer to his family. So does he decide to, you know, say, okay, I'll go up for four, three, four months, that sort of thing. I don't know if that's totally realistic, but anyway, we'll see what happens. But the Elks uh, day two of practice today, they'll play the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Thursday at Commonwealth Stadium. Of course, there's that 19 game home losing streak uh, that is hovering around the team. It is a chance for the Elks to break it. I'm sure, the Tiger Cats see the Elks as an opportunity as well. But regardless, we got it for you right here on 6.30. Chad, countdown to kickoff at 5.30. The opening kickoff at 7. Morley Scott, yours truly, Blake Dermott, and your host is Brendan S. So today in practice, Chris Jones about the process of turning the season around. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. Again, uh, we've got to take it one week at a time. We didn't get here in one week, so we're not going to get out of here in one week. So we're just going to keep chopping wood. So 0-5, that's uh, dead last in the CFL, dead last in the West Division. Uh, so is it is it do is it do or die now for the uh, Edmonton Elks? No, nah, I mean, we, again, it's a long season. I mean, a lot of people are real negative, unfortunately, but that's that's the way of the world these days. So that's the way they want to view is all the negative stuff. So, again, there were a lot of positives, as you mentioned earlier, going out of the game. I mean, time of possession was certainly one of them. The ability to run the football was another. So we've got to take some positives from there and, and uh, take them moving forward. And I'll, I'll speak to that more in a moment about you got to take positives out of out – of even in situations like another loss that, that puts you at 0-5. But Chris Jones says, we are not out of the playoff race. It puts us in a, in a real poor situation right now. We know where we're at, and we've just got to, like I say, we didn't get here in one week. We won't get out of it in one week. 
So there's no question that you have to pull positives out of even a game that was at times frustrating, but at times there were some good things in a 12-11 loss to to the Riders. It's, you know, I think it's well-documented. The defense played very well for 57 minutes, and they did not finish that final drive. And I looked downfield when I was or, or on the field from the broadcast booth where Morley and I were doing the game at Mosaic, and I, I after first couple plays, I was like, "Oh boy!" I see hands on hips, and I see a very tired group. Can they can they hang on? And they couldn't. Of course, the Elks were playing three games in twelve days at that time. And that's a that's another story. I've kind of harped on it. Uh, I don't think the CFL did the Elks any uh, any uh, service at all by. Uh, or any favors? We're not favors is the right word, but that's ridiculous to to play uh, on a short week against the Red Blacks, who are coming off a bye in five days with a long travel, and then a long travel back, and then a short week against the Riders in Saskatchewan. Uh, I think that's a little little ridiculous. That that would be ridiculous for eight other. I want to make that point very clear. But hey, they had a chance to win the game, and they didn't. Uh, they let the uh, you know, they allowed the winning or the tying points. They score a touchdown, the Riders, two point convert, good. And we know what happened with CJ Sims. And we're going to be joined by Glenn Harper, uh, former punter for the double E, won a great cup with the team in 1993. He'll get his thoughts on that play and the season and just kind of the nuances of the kicking game. Uh, let's face it, Dean Faithful missed two, two kicks. That's not good, uh, especially a 32 yarder. That's a makeable kick. And if he gets that kick, maybe they win. <laughs> right? Maybe they win. If Steven Dunbar's touchdown isn't called back because of a hold from Martez Ivy, then the Elks maybe win going away. Maybe they're at the half with a 10 point lead instead of, I believe it was tied at the time. So there's, there's a lot that you can look back on and say, yeah, we only scored 11 points, but we moved the football 356 yards of offense at least tells you you can move the ball, even though it was a little bit of a plodding nature. And the one thing I brought up on on Twitter when I did my recap on uh, on Friday was the thing that I look at the Elks right now that they are lacking, and Gina Lewis's injury doesn't help in this area, but their lack of explosive plays in the pass game. They only had two 20-plus plays. The Riders had five. And I think on that last drive, they had three. And I think that was a very, very important um, kind of tip of the scales is that they were able to get the riders with Trevor Harris, get those chunk plays that flipped the field and the Elks could not. Now, I like that Taylor Cornelius was on the move and, you know, have those um, roll half rolls to the left or the right and kind of throw across formation down the seam and uh, let the uh, yards after catch uh uh, take care of the rest of the uh, run extensions, as if you call it. The run game was a little more involved, but uh, Taylor Cornelius, somewhat better, uh, did make mistakes. He did have a couple drops, and mentioned, I mentioned the penalties. But at least you can kind of take some stuff out there and go, we did this well, did this well, did this well. We got to clean up all this other stuff too. So that's, I think, where the Elks have to do um, themselves some favors is, you know, they can't beat themselves up. They're 0-5 for a reason, no question. I, I count two wins that they should have had against both against the Riders. Toronto, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, they were – that game could have gone either way at the half, but they were down by one. They were down by one. Didn't think they were close at all in BC against the Lions, even though they were down nine zip at the half. Offense was pretty dreadful that night. And – uh against the Red Blacks was just uh, 
an awful evening. Um, they did have some chances in that game to kind of get it back, but they they just couldn't do it. But Stephen Dunbar, who has been one of the bright spots on the team, spoke about the mood right now. Obviously, you know, guys, you know, it feel a sting of a loss, and, and you know, you got to go through all the emotions or whatever, it's healthy or whatever, to, to, to feel it and, and, and learn from it. Uh, but we, we had a good practice today, man. Everybody came out, we had a positive attitude and, and went to work. Um, but Ryan's just trying to really execute during the game day and find a way to, to execute and find a way to win, man. So that's, you know, that's you know, we come and work hard every, every day. It's just, you know, we get into those situations where it counts. We just got to execute. And how does Stephen Dunbar handle an 0-5 starter? What's his thought on an 0-5 start? It's definitely frustrating, obviously, when you're losing. Uh, but I think the biggest thing right now is just for us to, you know, move forward. I mean, what, what you can do is just move forward and, and try to control what you control, let things that happen, be learning lessons, and, you know, just build from it, man. You try to stay positive and not let it say, you know, seep in. You know what I'm saying? It's big in this business that you just move forward because you know it's a long season, man. We can still we still anything if we if we if we can turn the ship around and get it going. And one thing that Chris Jones said yesterday is that it's it's hard for some veterans to be positive about this. And I would call Stephen Dunbar a, a veteran as he's in his third season. But it's hard for the veterans to kind of stay in there and uh, be positive because they are very, very frustrated. They're at a point in their career where, you know, they're not going to be around for forever. Unlike a young player who is, you know, happy to be playing pro football and gets excited. It's easier for a young person to get excited than it is for, for a veteran. But Stephen Dunbar definitely is someone I, I think is uh, growing in front of our eyes as a leader, for sure. And this team needs that with Gino Lewis out of the lineup. And, and Dunbar said, look, I agree with my head coach. The season is far from over. We got such a young team. And I think, you know, we don't, you know, a lot of these guys, first time in the CFL, and they don't realize how, you know, a season could really turn around. And, you know, once you get in the playoffs, it's almost like, you know, it's a fresh slate. So that's what we kind of trying to communicate to the guys is just to keep chopping at the wood. And if we could just get some wins out of our belt and, you know, stay focused, you know, towards to, to the end, we got a long season. And Dunbar says, you know, I've been part of a turnaround after a bad start. Yeah, so yeah, you know, in Hamilton, uh, it kind of caught me off guard. This is my second year up there. We started off slow, ended up kind of turning it on towards the end of the season. Had a little win streak and slipped our way into the playoffs, and everything was, you know, still ahead of us. And then, you know, the year we went to the Great Cup, then it wasn't all peachy and creamy there. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like we just went out there and was undefeated. We had some ups and downs, and you know, ups and flows of the season, but we stayed down and, and, and made it all the way to the Great Cup. So back in 21, that was Dunbar's rookie season. That was the 14-game schedule because because of, of COVID that didn't start until August. And then remember, December 13th was the uh, was the Grey Cup in Hamilton. The Tiger Cats lost to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Tiger Cats started 0 and 2, and then finished 8 and 6, and then qualified for the playoffs. I believe they were second in the division. Yes, and they beat Montreal in the semi, and then lost to, and then beat the the Argos in the in the final in Toronto, and then last year. The uh, Thai Cats started 0-4, and, and then at 1.2-6, they finished 8-10, and, and third in the East. They won five out of their last six games. So they went to the West or East semifinal, lost to the Alouettes. But you can catch lightning in a bottle in this, in this league. There's no doubt about that. Now, I would say 
The Ticats benefited from the East Division compared to the Elks in the West Division, who I don't, you know, I look at the Bombers, they're still elite. The the Lions are looking uh, like they are threatening to be elite. The Riders, let's face it, they're 3-1, and but it's probably the most uh, un... uh, What's the word? If you're a Ryder fan, I don't know if you're confident that you have a three and one team. We kind of saw this last year a little bit. They were four and one at one point, and then won only two games the rest of the way. But the Elks, I mean, they're hanging around the crossover. And look, I I feel really silly in some ways talking about this, but alas, they're zero five. So th- this is the situation they're in. They're ho- they're hovering around the crossover which is uh, third in the East, of course, and you got to finish with more points at the end of the season. You can't tie. So right now they would be four points back of both the tie cats and the red blacks for that final spot. And of course the, you know, you got the Stampeders with one win. They're one and three. So, I mean, it's, it's the CFL. It's nine teams. Uh, you're never really out of it. It all depends on what the competition is doing around you. And there are teams to catch for the Elks, but they got to start winning. And of course they got to do that uh, beginning on Thursday. Uh, It's not the most rosiest picture. I understand that, but it is what it is. As they say, 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Uh, My name is Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins Uh, back with more inside sports in a moment. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right, looking at the Elks injury report, the biggest uh, the biggest concern would be around David Fuko, who did not uh, practice yesterday, was limited today. And uh, Fuko dealing with a foot injury. Andrew Garnett still not available on the offensive line. He's out with an abdominal injury. Uh, so I imagine Brett Boyko may draw in if Fuko can at right tackle. Then we'll see what happens at left guard. I mean, they had uh, Philip Grahovic and Theron Turchill working out today at left guard. Also, Aaron Grimes working his way back from any injury. He's got one game left to serve on the six-game injured list. He did practice for the second straight day. He'd be available next week when the Elks visit the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, potentially. But uh, about finishing games, how many times has this Elks team had a chance to win in the fourth quarter and failed to do so? We've seen twice this year, last year. We saw the Montreal Alouettes, Toronto Argos, the Riders as well. Um, there was a few games where they did win. I mean, four games, for example, they found a way. Uh, but uh, Chris Jones says, you know, defense played well, but. You know, it's been the common theme this year. You know, we played two or three ball games where, you know, we played good early and we've got to find a way to finish defensively. And when, you know, great defenses uh, finish finish games, you know, they, they play the best when it when it matters. And right now we've played some very good defense at times and we've stu- made people stub their toes offensively and had some takeaways and all that stuff. But in the fourth quarter, you got to perform. Uh, that's when the pressure is. And so uh, that's what we've got to aspire to do. The old line, pressure, bust pipes, or make diamonds. Well, for the Elks, they've busted a lot of pipes, haven't they? And you look at a game from A.C. Leonard, who had the sack trick, three sacks. That hasn't been done since, oh, a long, long time, like sometime in the late 90s, something like that. And had a tackle for a loss, the strip sack, which counts for the sack total, force fumble. I mean, he was good. He was really, really good. The defense overall was really good. And then, unfortunately, it's a bit of a wasted effort, or it seems like that. But again, you got to look at the positives. What did you do well for 57 minutes? But darn it, at some point, you got to turn 
this around and win games. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. I mean, Drew Remenda was on the show on Friday, uh, one of my favorite guests. And uh, analyst work for the San Jose Sharks has been an analyst for the Oilers and Hockey Night in Canada, former coach, San Jose Sharks, uh, co-host the Green Zone with my good friend Jamie Nye in Regina. And he said, look, you don't lose your confidence, you give it away. And for some, in a lot of respects, I agree with that. And then, you know, Reed brought up, well, what what about players who, I mean, they haven't won a home game. There's players on this roster that hasn't haven't won very much. Well, eventually you got to find a way. Jones is doing now he's not making wholesale he did last year he's trying to he's trying to live with continuity and ride with a group and make tweaks and it's still not working necessarily but at some point I think this is their way of doing it than constantly uh, changing the roster they gotta get healthy too would help. I will get the perspective from a former member of the Double E, 1993 Great Cup champion, and former punter Glenn Harper on uh, what's going on right now, especially the nuances of the kicking game. Uh, what does he think of Dean Faithful? I think it's Jake Julian, who I would not say is the best uh, directional punter I've ever seen, but uh, he is impressive in a lot of respects. And about the gaff of CJ Sims and um, how does this team maybe get out of it? It's uh, Campbell and for Wilkins on the Monday evening edition of 6:30 Chat Inside Sports.